You're listening to Brigade Radio 1. Welcome to the Antisocial Show. memorial okay so there is this uh singer who was on um american idol in season three okay her name was leah labelle uh she and i followed each other on twitter she followed qu- quite a few people we both joined twitter in march of 2009 uh she was killed in a car crash today with her husband her name was leah labelle i think i might have mentioned that already she was born in toronto canada and uh she graduated from High Garfield High School in Seattle, Washington in 2005. And she began performing, singing, and dancing publicly in 1990, with March 1993 at the start of her pursuit of a musical career. In 1997, LaBelle won the Washington State Pre-Teen Miss America pageant, was first runner-up in the national pageant. In 1998, she joined Total Experience Gospel Choir in the Langston Hughes musical Black Nativity over the following five years. In 2000, LaBelle was part of the WAM Network children's reality show Caught in the Middle and continued on the show for two seasons. In 2002, LaBelle won the grand prize at Cube 93, that's K-U-B-E 93.3 Summer Jam. Idol was the opening act at Summer Jam 20. So, let's see here. On January 31st, 2018, which is uh, the date, still the date here, um, uh, LaBelle and her husband, former American professional basketball player, I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name, but it's spelled like casual, except starts with an R. So it might be Rajual, or it might be Razual, or Rasaul, and his last name is Butler. They were both killed in a car accident in Studio City of California after Butler lost control of his Range Rover on Ventura Boulevard. She was 31 years old, and the song I first heard of hers, because I didn't watch American Idol in the third season. I, I started watching, I think, in the sixth or seventh season. I'm not sure, and then I stopped watching after that. But this little song called Sexify which was a really nice R&B tune that I think was uh, produced by, might have been produced by Pharrell, because he shows up in the video. And I sent you the clip there, so you can watch a little bit of it if you like. You can see it later. But um, she's talented, and she will be missed. Absolutely. It, it, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. Oh, I see it right here. Got it. Lee LaBelle, Sexified. Let's see what it's about. That's a pretty good song, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. It's a nice little, uh, nice little poppin' R&B tune. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's exactly, exactly the kind of tempo that I like out of a song. Like, you know, it kind of makes me feel, it's sort of like, uh, like Jeanne's Hey Mr. DJ, you know, it's kind of got a one. Mm-hmm. You know, just sort of, it's kind of light, you know, it's not really aggressive. It's got a nice melodious part to it. It's, you know, it's a, it's a solid tune. Uh, it came out in 2012, May 10, 2012. So, so rest in peace, Lee LaBelle and her husband, Russell Butler. And uh, 
maybe by the next time we record, I will have uh, learned the correct way to pronounce his name. Uh, I will definitely give it a, a give it a try to pronounce his name. I suck at pronouncing people's names. Well, you know, it's pronunciation is one of those things. that's like, you know, I, I have to hear something, you know, and and uh, and hopefully I'm hearing it the right way, you know, because it's it's hard to say. It's really just sort of like you know, people pronounce things based on who they who they who they're around and who who yeah. who says things what way. It's just how language works. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I like Esperanto because everything sounds always sounds especially vowels. And, and well, all the vowels and consonants—they they sound exactly the same all the time. So it's like an an a will always sound like an ah, you know. Ah, oh. ah, at least by itself. Except um, unless it has a j next to it, in which case it kind of sounds like kai. But that's because you're saying the ka and the ya of the of the of the j, because j is ya. So if you say ka ya fast enough, you end up kind of saying kai kai kai. Kaya. It sounds like kaya. Kaya. Kaya? Yeah, it's not, but you just say kai because it's ka and ya together, so it becomes kai. I had to learn that. Ka. Kai. K-A-J. Kai. Which means uh, and. It's the word for and. Interesting. So, like, me is I, and V is you, so I go, uh, me, kai, V, and then whatever the Esperanto word for podcast would be. It's a noun, so it would end in a zero. Uh, a zero. It would end in a, in a O. But I don't. There's. I mean, there wasn't obviously since the language was created in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. There won't be a word for. There wouldn't have originally been a word for podcast, but there could be now because it also grows as as new words uh, come out. They get added to the vocabulary. Now, are new words like now? You did say because we have numerous conversations about this this uh, language. I certainly bring it up a lot. Yeah, I do bring it up a lot. <laughs> um, which is actually pretty cool because I got to uh, take my small shot at it oh, yeah. um, when we did the uh, the Halloween uh, the Combat Radio Halloween uh, soundtrack three when we did our our haunted uh, tour. Right. Yes. Correct. Yep. Where I played, uh, you played Mr. L, and I played Fitz. Yes. Fritz. Mr. L. So, what was the what was the question about the uh, was it about the about words or you had a yes. So now who's who's like putting out like obviously there has to be new words because it's a growing language. So who's like putting like these new words out? Well, that's a good question. Well, it's a kind of a growing community, so there has to be a center for um, for the. Uh, there's probably several centers. I sound has dropped out again. So let's see here. Okay. Okay, so I'm going okay. to look at an article, uh, hopefully, okay. or actually know it. Okay, so there's an article on Wikipedia called Esperanto Vocabulary. Okay. Okay, it was originally... I'm hmm? um, sorry, and I was going to I was gonna say, does it give you, like, a history? Um, yeah, oh, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of history here. Um, but there's a, I can, there's a couple of short paragraphs that might actually answer your question, so let's see real quick here. Uh, Esper- okay. Esperanto Vocabulary is originally defined in Unua Libro... Which I think means one, a libro is, I think, a book. I think it means one book or first book. Unua is first. Yeah, unu, un, unu is one. So unua, right. unua means unua. first. See, that's what they do. So like one is, is, one is the first letter. So they just, all they did is, they, sorry, one is the first number. And it's also the, Hello. Okay. So one is the first is the first number. So uh, is what I was trying to say. And it will. So they use the word for one to make new words from that. So that that's partial answer, but that's not that's not literally literally what you're asking. So I just want to point that out because it's like that's how that's how words get made. Is they you kind of like they started with a bunch of them and they go, what's the closest thing to it's sort of like putting together a math problem a little bit. So, okay. actually, it's a lot like that. So, okay, so, uh, first first book, published by L.L. Zamenhof in 1887, contained around 900 root words. The rules of the language allow speakers to borrow words as needed, recommending only that they look for the most international words and that they borrow one basic word and derive others from it, rather than borrowing many words with related meanings. In nineteen, uh, sorry, in eighteen ninety-four, Zamenhof published the first Esperanto dictionary, Universala Vortaro, 
which was written in five languages and supplied a larger set of root words. Since then, many words have been borrowed from other languages, primarily those of Western Europe. In recent decades, most of the new borrowings or coinages have been technical or scientific terms, terms in everyday use, and are more likely to be derived from existing words. For example, computilo, uh, a computer, because, you know, the word really computers in, you know, 1887, right? So, right. computilo is from, from the word computi, which is to compute, because you can okay. still, people still computed things before there were actual computing machines to do it. You still computed something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, oh, that's the other thing, verbs. So, like, words when you say to do something, like to speak, to see, to run, to eat. Mm-hmm. When it's that kind of version of, the, that's the verb where, that in that verb, the uh, that uh, verb's always end in I, if it's to do something. So, like, so like to have is havi, but the most common form of the, to have that I've seen is the the present tense of having something. So like I have something, like I have a a book, right? right? So I'd say like I have a book. So in that case, it's the present tense of having something. Like mm-hmm. if I want to say to have a book, or I want to have a book, and I'd say me volas I want uh, havi libro. But because I do have a book, I'd say me havas. Mi havas. Mi libro. So now... havas libro? Yeah, libro. So now also in that word, havas, is, havas. is, is the key to understanding uh, how to say, will have, and like the past, the, pres, past, the past tense, the present tense, and the future tense. So havas, or havas, is I have... And then if you go havos with an O, it's will have. And if you do havis with an I, it's had. So I had a book would be uh, uh, mi havis libro. If I will have a book, mi havos libro. So mi havos libro. Yeah. So so it's okay. So like so so the word computi is to compute because it ends in the I. So if it was will compute, it would be. uh, would be computos. But ilo, so check it out. It's the reason why it's computilo is because the word ilo, I-L-O, means tool. Okay. So it's literally, so computilo is literally compute a compute tool, a computing tool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So so that's, so you just see the word com- computilo and you know it means a computer, but, but you're literally saying the parts of the word that mean compute compute tool or a tool that computes. So so you use computi and then oh sorry. There we go. So we're back. So so sorry, the larger the larger thought of that those series of sentences that I just started breaking down mid sentence, I'm sorry. Um, it was that they say uh, terms in everyday use, okay, for example, are more likely to be derived from existing words, for example, computilo and computer from computi mm-hmm. to compute, or extending them to cover new meanings. For example, uh <laughs> Muso, 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 M-U-S-O, Muso, Muso, is a mouse. Okay. Now, Muso is it also, that was the word for mouse, the creature, and it all now also signifies a computer input device, as in English. So, so, the computer has a mouse, and you would, you know, uh, la, compi- uh, la computilo havas Muso. Muso. Yeah. There you go. Because there's also no word for a. It's implied. You don't say like so. Like a mouse is muso. It's one word. Right. Muso. It's not like a muso or an muso. So it eliminates a and an completely. Also. So like turning like you know just to the word. Yeah. So you'd say an apple or a book, and you would just the the a is implied. So the word for apple is pomo, and the word for uh, or a pomo. So like at the beginning, it'd be like an apple is a. An apple is not a, a strawberry. You wouldn't say a word for an and then the word pomo. The beginning of the sentence would just say pomo. It would say, so a, an apple is not a strawberry would be, I think, actually, it's, I don't know if I remember the word for strawberry. An apple is not a, uh, is not a, I don't know the word for banana. An apple is not a mouse. I'll just say that. So it would be okay. pomon, pomon ne estas. Estas. Because that's, okay. That's the other one. Pomo, pomo. Uh, ne estas 
Uh, I didn't. I don't remember what I said to where I was going to make the word. Mouse. Mouse. An apple is not a mouse. Yep. Homo neastus muso. That's it. Because the a and the an are already built in, so it's yeah, that's that's part of one of those cool things. Uh, and so also the word for what was I saying? The homo words for the. I can't remember what my point is with that. Anyway, so there are frequent debates among Esperanto speakers about whether a particular bowering is justified or whether the need can be met by a derivation or extending the meaning of existing words. So it's still kind of a matter of discussion, but that would be how it. So I guess a word for I don't know if podcast is an American word. So, um, a podcast, a podcast a itself would probably be podcasto. Podcasto. Or pod. No. Pod, pod, podcasto. Podcasto. So podcasto. it's podcasto, yeah. Podcasto. Now, podcasto. Is, is, is uh, podcast in America too? Uh, I think it is. You know what? Let me actually go ahead and put, uh, podcast into Google Translate real quickly and see what comes up. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Okay, well, right now the word for podcast still comes up as podcast, but it can't. Podcast. Be, but it can't be podcast because it's a it's a noun, but oh, it's also a right. verb. So like, so podcasto would be a podcast. Um, podcasti would be two podcast. We're going to podcast. Uh, we are, I think, podcastistos, which is which we are people who podcast or pod or do or podcast speakers, and then. Podcastas is we podcast in in the present. We have podcast. We podcast podcastist, and we will podcast is podcastos. I I now that's just my guess based on the rules I've learned of the language so far. So right now Google Translate does not does not translate the word podcast no. into Esperanto, but that would be how it, that would be I believe how it's done. And For Esperanto, please people in the your... Esperanto community correct me if I'm wrong, please. I would like to learn. Sorry, yes, sir. <laughs> um, is there a uh, Esperanto word for the word sound, perhaps? For the word sound? Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for the word sound. Yeah. It is sono. Sono. Yeah. Okay, so now is there a word for cast, perhaps? Yeah, I see, I, I see what you're doing, yeah. Two separate mm-hmm. words, yeah. Well, it'd have to be something that's cast in the sense of broadcast, because I think that's why podcasts are. Cast is, let's make sure it's to cast. Por forietti. Let me make sure. Por Well, that's to cast aside. I want to make sure it's cast in the correct sense of the word cast. Because that's part of the problem, is determining which cast it is. Is it, is it, is it reading the word cast as, as a, you know, and what context is the word cast to begin with? That's what you have to tell us. What is, ca- what is a cast in a podcast? Is it like casting a net? Is it... Is it like a broadcast? And in a broadcast, what is a cast? Is that like a forecast? Casting sound, perhaps, rather than not, you know. Or even forecast it doesn't have a word. Actually, no. Forecast. It should, but it should be forecasto. Interesting. So, so yeah, so let's look at the word cast by itself. Okay. So the word cast is yeti. 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 So that would be to cast. Like, okay. Like the act of casting. But I don't know if that's... I'm hoping that's casting in the in the sense of fishing because I think that's what podcast is. Well, so I mean, theoretically, if there was, you know, if there was in fact a word for casting Esperanto, which means, of course, you know, sound casting is basically just podcasting, just a different name for it. There would be a, a, a word in Esperanto for the word soundcast, not podcast. So, yeah, that's we'd hope it would be soundcast, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so the problem is if you put in sound and the word cast right next to each other in the translator, it says sono, which is sound, and then a word that is ruligi. Ruligi? Ru, uh, R-U-L-I-G-I. But it's G with a, a brevet over it, or a uh, little hat, they call them. Mm-hmm. That That's called a uh, circumflex. So, circumflex. Yeah, a little, little hat, three, two, two-thirds of a triangle, as Mitch Hedberg would say. I did not know that. Yeah, there's a... Man, I don't... I can't remember. There's a funny joke that Mitch Hedberg told him. Getting off the track. Okay, so anyway. Uh, so, ruligi... I have to actually look up the word ruligi to see what that is, because that's a new word, but it is it is the present tense, or it's to do it, whatever it is. It is the act of doing that. So, let's see. Ruligi... It sounds like you're saying Luigi, like, you know, from Mario Brothers. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ruligi. Really? That'd be funny. I'm really, I can't even pronounce the word. 
because my mind just wants to say Luigi rather than the actual. It means roll. Roll. Apparently, so it'd be like sound sono cool. roll, sono. Yeah, be sound roll. Sono roll makes it sound like sushi. Um, surprise podcast doesn't have a word. That's 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 by now. That's uh, well, it is a very a pretty new medium. So anyway, so yeah, that's how the, that's how you get new words. That's the answer to that. That's the very long answer to your very simple question. <laughs> that's cool though. That's good. It's good to know because I mean, basically, I mean, there's going to be obviously a word for the word podcast at some point. So whoever you know makes these words up, if they're listening, um, I think you should make a word for podcast. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So I just sent you a link that's got all of the list lists of suffixes and the uh, uh, Esperanto vocabulary Wikipedia. Nice. So yeah, it's it's got all a list of of these. Suffixes and how they turn into new words. Like for example, I'm learning re- recently the words "ayo," which is e y o, and "ayo" uh-huh. is, is a place to be characterized by the root, uh, not used for toponyms. I forget what a toponym is. Uh, and, and, uh, so, like for example, uh, the word. Okay, so the word "learne," l e r n e, is to learn. Or, or well, it's learning actually, uh, but a learneo is a school, so it's a place where you learn. Uh, Vendeo is a store because vende is to, vendi is to sell, so it's a place where you sell. Ujeo uh, uh, is a court because Ujeo is a judge. Yes, yes, because it's related to the word judge. Cuireo. Uh, uh, is a kitchen. Hundeo is a kennel because hundo means dog, etc., etc. And these just so like see how that all those all the words work that way. So you know, so it's like if you're trying to make a new word, or, or if you're just trying to guess what a word is, if you know what a so like a like a park is already a place. It's parko, right? Right. So you would I don't know if it would be a place where you park. So yeah, a place where you park might be par- parkeo. Parkeo. It might be. That, that, that's how I'd reason that out. It's a place where you park. So let's see. Let me look it up in through the translator. P A R K E J O. Parkeo. Should be a parking lot. It Ooh. is. It is. It's working. Congratulations. It's working. Hooray. I'm learning. I just totally guessed <laughs> that based on. So yeah, you see, how, see, that's what I'm talking about. All you have to, to learn how to speak, all you have to do is do a little. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of detective work, sort of. It's just. It's just a little bit of thought. It's kind of fun. It's like a game, really. It's like having a word. Yeah. So, That's true. I'm just ha- like I say I, every time. I'm just happy that my brain is still capable of learning stuff. Yeah. It's a good. You never stop learning stuff. Well. Yeah. yeah. That's when we become old, dude. <laughs> so this is cool. Is that this page exists? I'm gonna have to because this is going to be a big help because on Duolingo, the app I learn, I used to learn language it doesn't give any of these explanations you just sort of you just sort of learn to use the words and what they mean as you go along and then sort of figure it out absolutely Mm -hmm. now do you find uh this language easier to learn than english or is english harder to learn than this language oh well um i would say this language would be harder is is much much easier to learn than english however much easier yeah however being a native english speaker is one of the reasons why Esperanto is so easy to learn. Because I already speak English, so it, all these things translate into words in English, essentially, because it's their, their root meaning. So, like, I can't remember exactly how it works, but it's a combination of, like, I'm, I'm not, I think it's like a combination of, of like, it's like the, the most common words among, say, like, Polish, uh, mm-hmm. German, and uh, I think French, and, you know, and Jewish, I believe, or Hebrew. It's not Hebrew. I think it's Yiddish. Well, it's Yiddish. Some of it. I'm not sure exactly, but it's it's um. So uno al libro. Uh, I wish I could give you a definitive like where all comes. Okay, I can just give you an example in in languages that I already know. So the word okay. the word for interesting in English, like we say that's interesting, is the same word in German and French. Okay, which is inter- interessant. Is that German? Uh, that's actually both. That's German and French. If you say interessant to either a French person or a German person, they will both know that you are saying the word interesting. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so that's that's a, it's that kind of thing. So, so if you get a word like hundo, hundo, hundo is a dog. Well, it's got the word hundo. Kind of sounds like the word hound. 
Now, you know, in Spanish, the word for dog is perro, so it's not similar to that. But it might be, it's similar to other other words, uh, other languages that use an H-U-N or a similar sound to make it. So, like, so it, 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 it kind of sounds like recognizable words already in a lot of other languages. Um, so that means there was the word to play, to play around, to, to frolic or whatever it plays. Ludas, L-U-D-A-S. I don't know what language it's from. I just have learned that that's the word now. I know this now. So, I mean, it's just, I, I, I've just learned that. I know that ludus, I'm playing. So it's, it's, the, it's the present tense of, of playing, ludus. So like, uh, ni, ni ludus en la parco. So I don't know what, like, I don't know if it's, Latin. I think there might be some Latin, I'm not sure, but it's romance languages, so it's, it, and, 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 and these are, these, these different common words kind of came together. This guy created it in school, I think. I, I, he was, uh... It does kind of sound like Latin. Especially Libro. Libro sounds like a Latin word. But Libro is, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it goes back to, I think the words for... I think the word L-I-B is is, is associated with um, learning. I know that uh, Venice, which I think is to, to, to arrive or to come, mm-hmm. and that's, like, Veni is, is Latin for, you know, like, I came, like you know. I think like Veni Vidi Vici or whatever it is. Is I came, I saw, I conquered. Yes. Vidi, V I D I is to see in Esperanto. So there's a little bit of Latin there, but it's not all Latin. It's see, that's the thing. So Esperanto is a little bit from this, a little bit from that, and the idea is that everybody would speak two languages, their own tongue and Esperanto. So that means Esperanto has always also been translated into, like there's a German to Esperanto dictionary. So like. If ever everybody, if everybody spoke Esperanto as their second language, everybody would actually have a, a common language, other than English. That's true, and one that's easier to to uh, to to learn. Yeah, and, and communicate. It's only for communication. That's the thing. It's a language that's built specifically for easy communication. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean. There's no slang, really. I mean, people can use slang. You can translate slang into it, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll work. But, like, you don't say something is cool when you mean it's uh, interesting, you know, because cool is a temperature. And there's a word for something that's cool, and I don't know what the word is, but I know that varmus is hot and that malvarmus is cold. So... Varmus. Varmus. Yeah. Or varma. Varma, actually. Varma. Because it's a noun. No, sorry, it's a verb. No, it's not a verb. It's a what's the word? Adjective. Adjectives end in a. Words that describe other words. So varma is warm, and mal varma, mal. The word mal means opposite. It's bonkers because okay. there are words that where they go like this is the primary word, and then you put mal in front of it, and that becomes its opposite word. So why isn't there a primary word for cold, and then whatever mal that word makes hot? I don't know. Why do they start with hot right. and then have an opposite to make it cold? I don't know. I don't know. I just, that's, they just did. I don't know who chooses that. I like, you know, so, but Malvarma. So, like, Bona, or not Bona, um, Bona, Bona, good, Mala, Bella, 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 Bella is, Bella is, Bella is beautiful, B-E-L-A, Bella. In Italian. Also in Italian. Bella. But if you say Malbella, Malbella is the opposite of beautiful, which is ugly. Ugly, essentially, yeah, so Malbella. <laughs> So yeah, Malbella. yeah, Malbella. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's easy to it is very easy to learn. Um, I've been learning it for I don't know over four months now, and so theoretically I should speak about as much about as much uh, Esperanto as a person who only spoke Chinese before who was also learning to speak Esperanto. That's what they say. It takes about four months. Now, can you hold the conversations in Esperanto? Probably not. But I can definitely read it. I can I can understand a lot more words. If it was really simple, I could try. But I mean, there, I've listened to people having conversations in Esperanto, and those are people who really have a grasp of like the language. Yeah. So that was my that was my question. Um, you can have. I mean, obviously, you're working on it, so you'll, you'll be able to talk in it. But once more, we're back. Yes. What were you saying? Or asking? Um, so you actually can have uh, 
you actually can have uh, full conversations. Oh, I thought you were asking if I could. You mean you, you, know, you mean the universal you, like could a person? Yes. <laughs> ah, see, that's that's what I mean. So, like, if you're asking me, you, you would say you. If you're asking, you would say the. Yeah, like uh, the, the 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 whole population if they spoke it. But I don't know how to say the collective you or that that word. But that's what you meant. But there would yes. be a word for that, so that if I heard that, I would know you didn't mean me personally. That's that's hence better communication because there's a distinct word for those two separate things. That is, you know. Anyway, so Ooh. no, um, you. Uh, but yes, people do. People do, and they can. I, I personally, I can't yet, but I can recognize a lot of words, and I can read a lot of words. I'm not at the conversational stage yet, unless it was really simple exchanges, and you know, I could do practice exchanges. I, I probably have to script them, but that's kind of part of my my uh, Esperanto success project. That is very cool. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, learn how to speak it. I mean, you could try. Certainly, it's not. Um, it, it, it might be fun. Um, if you do, mm-hmm. I would recommend getting getting the app if you can. Get uh, get du- get Duolingo. It's free, and you can you can uh, you can also learn to speak any other language that's in it. So, like French, German, Spanish, Hungarian, Swahili, whatever is available in there. You can you know you, you press a button and it, and it says it, so you can hear it said and you can say it back and hear things being nice. pronounced. You put it in the headphones so you don't have to. So everybody else doesn't have to hear it if they don't want to. Um, it has like matching games, on, so you can like look at the word and recognize it, and you got and you touch you know, the two that means like one means, you know, like yeah. United States Usono, those two match, you know. And it's a, uh, it makes it fun. Nice. That's going to be the second ad I've done for Duolingo in the in the in as many pod, podcast episodes. I was talking to Cassandra about about Duolingo as well a little bit. No, who's she again? She's on uh, Nooner on Smodcast Network on Tuesdays and has been for nice. about, about three years now. And right now she has a character that she's working on called Diane Potts, who's pretty funny. Cassandra Cardenas. Yes. Yes, sir. Do you ever have someone who just lives in your head and when it comes to decorating the house can sometimes possess you? These are all the things I said to my psychiatrist lately and she suggests that I please get out. I don't know, take your insurance. I don't take your insurance and you can't just barge in here anymore. So what did I do? Allow Diane Potts to possess me completely and make this video. With the help of course of Ladies Lunch Productions and my amazing friends Noel Urbano, Greasy Niles and Drew McCord Austin. Oh. oh yeah, it's a little three minute video. We can probably check it out. You should hear All the right. interview. So I'm... Let's see. Christmas, and I'm Diane Thoughts. I'm going to give you some tips and inspiration for decorating for Christmas with Diane Thoughts. We are ready for this year's Christmas season. I'm so lucky here to have my two nieces come to decorate my house. Won't you join us? So Merry Christmas and remember the French. We see you <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, so she uh, she doesn't sound anything like that in real life. Or that's a that's a pretty weird kind of Martha Stewart esque character that she does. That's actually pretty funny though. Yeah, yeah it is funny. Um, so yeah, check out that interview if you get a chance. Hey everyone, it's Ethan with Combat Radio. You know, one of the projects we're most proud of around here is the two disc audio book we produced with Disney legend Bob Gurr. From his years of working with Walt Disney to designing the T-Rex for Jurassic Park to Godzilla 1998, the work this man has done is legendary. He designed elements of the Matterhorn, Monorail, Haunted Mansion, Autopia, and much, much more. Get the two-disc audio book at CD Baby. Just go to CD Baby and enter Fail Fast. Combat Radio Conversations with Disney legend Bob Gurr, and bang, you're on your way to greatness. So there's going to be a uh, a crow reboot. What? There's going to be a crow reboot. Oh, I'm sorry. I heard you. I was just saying what, like, you know, conversationally. Really, you don't say. I, I think I had Absolutely. heard something about that coming out. Crow's a great film. Uh, the original Crow. I love that movie. So do I. It was, a, it was an awesome movie. And they're actually, so I pulled it up on Google. So this is what it has to say for that. So the, uh, the Crow remake uh, begins shooting in early 2018. 
it may uh, finally be happening. Don't uh, don't get your hopes up just yet, but it sounds like the long-awaited reboot of the Crow is moving forward. The project was dropped several months ago by Relative uh, Relativity Media. We had been working on the Crow remake for a very long time. However, Sony stepped in quickly have uh, and gave the project a new life. And if creator James O. Barr is to be believed, they uh, fully intend to make their movie next year. And there's a lot to read on this one. Um, but that guy, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Jason uh, Moa. Oh, uh, yeah. I, Momoa? Mo- Momoa, yeah. He's playing the crow in this. Um, oh, yeah, I'm seeing some... Okay, so the, on the uh, Crow Wikipedia page, there's a, a bunch of uh, information about the the remake. Uh, when it was announced, mm-hmm. it was announced about... <laughs> apparently on December 14, 2008. So it is now the beginning of 2018. So about 10 years ago, they had talked about doing a reinvention. So it that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing, so... And let's see here. Momoa. Jason Momoa. Yes. I uh, I have... Yes, him. Oh, and did you also see the Conan remake that he was in? Did I see the other... Did I see the what? He was in uh, He was in the remake of Conan the Barbarian that they did. Oh, I did not see that one. Yeah. No. I was... Is it good? I mean, you know, it's a Conan movie. I I was not... A, I did not really watch the Conan films until much later in life. Um, but a lot of people my age did. Uh so, like, it came out in 1982. I would have been uh, eight years old, and everybody else who saw it would have also been eight years old. Um, I don't think that is a PG movie. <laughs> so it was probably yeah. anyway. But anyway, did so. you like uh, did you like Conan being played uh, by Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, he looked the part. I guess you know. I I, I never read the books uh, by Robert E. Howard, um, although I'm tempted to now because I'm kind of getting interested in sort of that era of, of um, pulp uh, pulp literature. I don't know what, you know, it's what mm-hmm. we call low fantasy, I guess. it's. Um, but yeah, Robert E. Howard stuff and also um, like H.P. Lovecraft stuff. And kind of, uh, uh, I can't think of who else. Yeah, so it was, anyway, so yeah, um, it was fine. Um, you know, it was, I, I, I'd heard about it for a long time and people quote it. You know, uh, what's his face? We quote it a lot. Um, Kevin Smith, we quote it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, what is best in life, Conan? Cross <laughs> yeah. your enemies, see them before you, and do the lamentations of the women. That is a classic line right there. So, Conan, what is the meaning of life? Uh, the meaning of life is to exist because if we didn't, we wouldn't. That's, he doesn't actually say that. That's something I say. Um, it's to crush your enemies. Understanding. What now? It's a swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Crow was first released on VHS in September 14, 1994. So, yeah, I saw that movie in the uh, theater. So, in 1994, I would have been I would have been 20. And uh, I don't even remember how old I would be. Well, I was born in 74, so I just did the math that way. Just 20 years later. Um, you were born in 1980, right? Or 81? Yep. Okay, so let's say 1980. No, okay, so you've been 14. Not bad. Yeah, I was 14 in 1988. I think that was eight. The third sequel, second sequel. Back in the 80s. What about the 80s? Uh, your sound and everything dropped out for a bit there. What? Uh, being a teenager in the 80s was an awesome time to be a teenager. Was it? I don't know. I was, yeah, I guess it was okay. There's a lot of good movies out. Um, now, let's see. I was a teenager when the Gulf War started over there with the whole Saddam Hussein thing and George Bush won. George Bush Uno. Uh, first George Bush. I don't know how else to say that. George Bush Sr. Mm-hmm. George Herbert Walker Bush. There. Who's that? President George Herbert Walker Bush. You saying the president? Yeah, yeah. Ronald Reagan's vice president. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He he. That was I was I was during when I was a teenager in 1991 or 90. I was 16 and 17 when that war happened. I was in high school. When, you know, when he's like he did the deadline. He's like get out of Kuwait. You have this much time, and then and they did. 
and then Bush was like, congratulations to us. And then, uh, today. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, The Crow, 1994. Yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, I remember being pretty, I think it was pretty great. Of course, I, I had, uh, started just sort of started following martial arts movies and i had uh i i had noted that brandon lee was a rising star and i thought that was pretty cool and then you know he got killed while we were making that movie and it was like holy crap this is wow you know i mean i had the people magazine cover that i think is actually in the movie clerks uh when brandon lee got shot or it's or there's something like that in there and i don't mean i have the actual one that was used in clerks but i think there was a brandon lee people magazine cover in clerks i think i remember hearing about that on the commentary but i actually had that magazine and uh i also had a fangoria with that uh that talked about the crow and the making of and talked about alex Proyas, the director and all the things that happened because one of the writers of or contributors of fangoria was in a scene in that film not the scene where brandon lee was shot but in uh it's a scene You've seen the crow. There's a there's a bunch of uh, mucky the uh, higher up mucky mucks that were sitting around a table, and he comes in through the window at the top, and mm-hmm. big scene, and lots of strobing effects, and I think he's there to get um, who's the guy? I can't remember the name of the guy, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, T Bird. T Bird was David Patrick Kelly's character. Let's see, it was. Uh, <laughs> okay, hold on. Fun boy? No, it wasn't fun boy. Fun boy is the uh, one that looks like Kurt Cobain. Oh, Brecht. Skank. Skank. It's like me. Skank. Is that? That's Skank. Dang it. Skank's dang it. That's not. not, I'm not Skank, man. That's Skank. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, how creepy was David Patrick Kelly as T-Bird, like, quoting scripture the whole time? That was, that was a really good, that's like, that is like a role that is, like, that's another great bad guy role uh, for him. Maybe as great as, if not then as his role in uh, the Warriors, which I didn't see till much later. But you know, the Warriors. clink, 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 Warriors, come on, play, mm-hmm. clink, 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 clink. Yeah, that that's uh, that turned out to be a pretty good film. Anyway, who played Skank? Who was that actor? Angel David. Hmm. No hyperlink. Uh, don't know if he's ever been in any other stuff. Oh yeah, Michael Massey, M A S S E E. He uh, he was fun boy, and I think he just passed on recently. Yeah, October twentieth, twenty sixteen. Okay. Uh, what what did you want us? Anything more you wanted to say about the Crow uh, remake or the, your feelings on that? Or yes, only that I'm excited to see it. Oh good. Yeah, I I actually uh, I saw the first Crow sequel, and was like, yeah, okay. And then I stopped watching movies and stuff for a while, and I you know like. I didn't. I'd stop taking notice of when they were releasing them, but they released at least four sequels, didn't they? Mm, I think so. Yeah, let's see. And was he was that Bruce Lee died the same way? Um, what? His father, Bruce Lee. Yeah. Died the exact same way he did. He was shot on a set by a real blank or by a real. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't think that's actually how he died. That's how he died in the last movie that he made. Mm-hmm. The Game of Death. I, I think it's one of yes. the, I think what you're I think you're experiencing the Mandela effect. <laughs> the Mandela effect. No, the, the Mandela effect. I'm gonna Google that. Yeah. I have to do this now. I'm telling you, dude. There's, a, there's probably I'm not crazy. Short videos of it on YouTube too. Uh, How did Bruce Lee die? On May 10th, 1973, Lee collapsed during an ADR session for Enter the Dragon at Golden Harvest in Hong Kong. <laughs> Suffering some, uh, from seizures and headaches, he was immediately rushed to Hong Kong Baptist Hospital, uh, where doctors diagnosed uh, cerebral edema. Uh, they were able to reduce the swelling, though the administration of uh, mannitol. Hmm. Okay, so I stand corrected. Well, it's but he did he did actually die. Uh, Bruce Lee did on died on film as. Let's see here. Hold on. Or maybe it's is it Game of Death? Okay, so check it out, right? So yeah. you should if you get a chance to see this sometime. This is Bruce Lee's last movie. It's called The Game of Death, right? It's an incomplete 1972 right. Hong Kong martial arts film written, produced, and starring Bruce Lee in his final film. He leaped, he leaped, he died during the making of that movie, also. So I think that adds to part of the um, what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But like, 
the, the you know I think it's one of those things that it just seems like you know I, where it's like it gets confused with the the real thing and then it gets passed on and that's what happens. So like there's something called the Mandela effect, which is similar to what you you, you experienced. The Mandela effect is named because so because a lot of people for some reason think Nelson Mandela died in prison. They didn't. Oh no, he very much did. I mean, he you know. But for some reason, he's a free man when he dies. But it's the way people remember it. They think that he died, you know, while he was in prison. So let's see here. So let's see. Um, okay, well, the description of the plot isn't in, at least this aspect of the plot is not. Uh, oh, okay. Game of Death. Okay, okay, okay. So the 1978 version. Mm-hmm. Okay, so check it out. So the 1978 version of Game of Death, the finished version. This is so strange, too, because it's just like what they had to do with The Crow, because Bradley died during the filming of The Crow on the set, so they had to complete some of the scenes with a body double and some with a, with like a, a digital face, essentially, on, you know, a couple of mm. shots. So I mean, if it was digital or if it was layered photography, composite, what, either way, it was, they had to kind of do that, right? So check it out. So a 1978 version of mm. Game of Death uses portions, uses portions of the original footage married to an entirely new plot involving... Uh, involving a new character named Billy Lowe, who is struggling against a racketeering syndicate after gaining international success as a martial arts movie star. When Billy refuses to be intimidated by a syndicate henchman, Steiner, and his gang of thugs, syndicate owner Dr. Land, orders his assassination to serve as an example to others. Disguised as a stuntman, Land's assassin, Stick Mel Novak, sneaks into the set of Billy's new film and shoots Billy during filming. Mm. A fragment of the bullet passes through Billy's face, leaving him alive with a need of plastic surgery, which alters his facial features. Billy takes the opportunity to fake his death and disguise himself, exacting revenge against those who wronged him one at a time. When the syndicate threatens and kidnaps his fiancée, Ann Morris, played by Colleen Camp, Billy is forced to come out of hiding to save her. In the revised film, Bruce Lee's fight scenes inside the pagoda are assumed to take place in the upper floors of the Red Pepper restaurant, where Dr. Land and his thugs have laid an ambush. By the end, Billy survives the ambush, rescues Ann, and destroys each of the monsters one by one. So, oddly, what happened to that character and the whole plot line that they had to create to, to cover Bruce Lee's actual death so they could finish the film? Mm-hmm. Killed by a fake stuntman. And, and Brandon huh. Lee was actually, killed on, was actually killed on set by a gun with a, what they call a hot load, I think it is, where it's like, it's, it, I don't know if it was an actual bullet that made in the chamber or if it was a quickly ejecting cartridge. I can't remember specifically. I suppose I could probably look it up, but... I think it's for the live round. Yeah. See, that's the other thing, is there's a bunch of... There's another one of those things. Uh, Axton is shooting. Okay. Brandon Lee died on March 31st, 1993, at the age of 28, after an accidental shooting on the set of The Crow. In the scene in which Lee was accidentally shot, Lee's character walks into his apartment and discovers his fiancée being beaten and raped by thugs. Actor Michael Massey's character fires a 44 Magnum revolver at Lee as he walks into the room. A previous scene using mm. the same gun had called for inert dummy cartridges fitted with bullets, but with no powder or primer, to be loaded into the revolver for a close-up scene for film scenes that utilize a revolver where the bullets are visible from the front and do not require the gun to actually be fired. Dummy cartridges provide the realistic appearance of actual rounds. Instead of purchasing commercial dummy cartridges, the film's prop crew created their own by pulling the bullets from live rounds, dumping the powder charge, then re-insulting the the bullets. Mm. However, they unknowingly or unintentionally left the live primer in place at the rear of the cartridge. At some point during filming, the revolver was apparently discharged with one of these improperly deactivated cartridges in the chamber, setting off the primer with enough force to drive the bullet partway into the barrel, where it became stuck, a condition known as a squib load. The prop crew either failed to notice this or failed to recognize the significance of this issue. In the fatal scene, which called for the revolver to be fired at Lee from a distance of 3.6 to 4.5 meters, which is about 12 to 15 feet, the dummy cartridges were exchanged with blank rounds, which feature a live powder charge and primer, but no bullet, thus allowing the gun to be fired without the risk of an actual projectile. But since the bullet from the dummy round was already trapped in the barrel, this caused the 44 Magnum bullet to be fired out of the barrel with virtually the same force as if the gun had been loaded with a live round, and it struck Lee in the abdomen, mortally wounding him. He was rushed to New Hanover Regional Medical Center in Wilmington, North Carolina, where he underwent six hours of surgery. Attempts to save him were unsuccessful, and he was pronounced dead at 1.03 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 
The shooting was ruled an accident. Wow. Damn. Yeah. What? What a... Okay, and the fatal scene which called for the... Yes, okay, I just read that. And that's mm-hmm. it. Then the rest is about his... Uh, the rest is about his funeral and whatnot. So, so, so it's... It's one of those things where it's like... So the story of how that, you know, became an urban legend and became a story that wasn't, you know... They go, oh, it was a bullet. Somebody put a real bullet in there because it also became like a conspiracy. People thought it was a curse, you know, because they were looking at the parallels yeah. between his death and his father's death and how similar they were to each other. And, you know, it was like the curse of the Lee family or something. And, that's, that's actually true, dude. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, what people thought, like the curse of the Lee family. He totally did, yeah. I, you know, people believe in curses. Mm-hmm. Crisis foiled again. Curses foiled again. Wow. At the time of his What's de- up? <laughs> at the time of his death, his father's biopic, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, was ready for release. The film was released two months after Lee's death with a dedication to his memory in the end credits. In the film, his father was portrayed by actor Jason Scott Lee. No relation. Uh, did, right. you ever, did you ever see Dragon, the Bruce Lee story? Uh, no. It's it pretty decent. Do you do you watch my martial arts movies at all? Oh, I did. When I was a kid, I used to watch them all the time. You ever see The Raid Redemption? I think I did. If you get a chance, see that movie. It's pretty amazing. If you like martial arts movies, this one is is off the chain. And it's a uh, Pitcock Silat, or Silat. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but that's uh, Indonesian martial arts. It's pretty amazing. Pretty, nice. Yeah. I got good gunplay in it. I'm going to have to watch that movie again soon. We just got it on Blu-ray, so for a discount. Got to get those discount movies. Ah, uh, you're on, finally unfrozen. Yay, I'm unfrozen. I'm on froze. I'm on froze. Here's how the rest of the podcast goes. <laughs> well, that about does it for Antisocial Show. I'm Tyson Sainer. And I'm Hunter Block. Be decent to each other. Absolutely. Have a good time, folks.